Okay, so we are learning Davav, and uh, it's tough to pick up right in the middle where we, where we ended yesterday, so I'll try to just give a little brief introduction, recapping the Shiloh that we're in the middle of. So the question in the Gemara is, is one allowed to have Bia for the first time on Shabbos with a virgin? So what's the question? Why not? What, what's the issue? So there are two different Melachos that are possibly involved, which are issues. One issue is the fact that you're making a wound. So a person is not allowed to make wounds on Shabbos. You can't extract blood. Extracting blood is a malach. It's called chovel. It's a told of shochet. The same way you can't slaughter, you can't make a wound. Because when you make a wound, you're extracting blood. And blood, ki adam hu hanefesh. It just is taking away an entire life. That is malacha. So extracting some of the lifeblood, adam hu hanefesh, is also considered a malacha. So potentially, when a person is rupturing the hymen, so that's going to bring out the blood. And if you bring out the blood, so that's going to be a malacha of chovel. However, the Gemara told us that that's not so simple. And the reason is that we're trying to analyze the body a little bit biologically, what exactly the status of the blood that comes out after the hymen is ruptured. And the Gemara says you could look at it. It's not really blood that's connected to the body that now you're making and inflicting a new wound and bringing out blood. Really, the blood of the Gemara, the alumnus is mifkat pocket, which means it's just stored. It's like blocked by the door. And as soon as you open the door, the blood comes out. So it's not extraction of blood from the body, but it's just opening the door and the blood comes out. So maybe it's not really inflicting a wound. This is question number one. Possibility number two that we have to deal with is are you making a passageway? It's like when, same way when you have a home and you build a passageway, that's making a Pesach, that's improving the home, that's building on Shabbos. So you're building in the woman's body when you're creating this passageway. Things that now can go in and out easier. So the Gemara is saying that maybe that's considered also you're being bona inside of the woman's body. So on both of these issues, there's a question called, a big, a big question in Shabbos, called something is an unintended consequence that occurs from my action, but I wasn't trying to do that, is that forbidden or usher? So for example, a person is dragging a bench from point A to point B, and as they're doing it, it happens to be that they loosen some of the soil and they prepare it for digging, right? So did they really plow? I mean, they were trying to move the bench, that's what they were doing. It happens to be that it ended up being plowed. So that's a dispute between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Shimon says, Rabbi Huda says, So you can kind of apply that over here. Like, for example, if you see the possibility of the malacha in the extraction of the blood, you could say, is he really intending to get the blood out? Is that what he's thinking about? He's probably thinking about his pleasure. That's all he's trying to do. So maybe the extraction of the blood is the same thing with the Pesach. It's possible that he's not thinking about uh, creating the passageway. That's an, un- that's, a, that's an unintended quant- consequence, and perhaps that's allowed. So that was one possibility of Isser and then Heter with the caveat of Davish Enum Then the Gemara threw at us other possibilities. That even if we hold like review though, that Davish Enum is Isser, if you think about it, some of these actions that are happening are not constructive, but rather destructive. And Shabbos, you're usually only Chaya for a Malacha, which is making a positive impact, not something which is hurting, something which is making good. So in these cases, we have to figure out what is the impact that is had on the woman's body, a woman who is losing her virginity, losing, the blood is coming out, or there's a passageway that now she is open as opposed to being closed before. Is that considered constructive or destructively built inside of her body? So these are different, those were all the variables that were swimming around here. So bottom line is, there are two different malachos after recapping it that we, have to, that we have to care about. We are concerned, A, for the fact that blood is coming out. We're not sure if it's really considered extracting blood or blood was just stored and it's coming out. We're not sure if you're really intending to extract the blood. That's another point, and we're not, we're not sure if the blood is considered constructive in the fact that it's being extracted. Then we have another concern about the fact that you're making a passageway, and again, we're not sure how to look at that, you're not intending for it, it might be destructive, so perhaps it's allowed, and perhaps it's not allowed. So we are on the top of Davov Amid Aleph, 
still trying to answer this question, could a person have relations for the first time with a virgin on Shabbos? So the Gemara says, top line here, here we go. Itmar Bebe Rav Amri, in the Shiva of Rav, it was said, Rav Shari Shmuel Asr, that Rav allows it, and Shmuel does not allow it. So in Rav's Yeshiva, they said, Rav had said it's okay, and Shmuel said it's Asr. But in Nahardah, Nahardah is the city where Shmuel was the Rosh Yeshiva. So in Nahardah, they said, Rav Asr, Shmuel Shari, that Rav says Asr, Shmuel says Mutter. So both places agree that there's a dispute between Rav and Shmuel, but they're arguing which way. In Rav's location, they said Rav's lenient and Shmuel's Machmer. In Shmuel's location, in Nahardah, they said the opposite. Shmuel's lenient and Rav is Machmer. So Amar Nachmer Yitzel if you want a way, a, mnemonic, a way to remember who said what, in every place, they think their rabbi is more lenient, which is such an amazing line in the Gemara. So in Rav's place, when they were saying the Machlokas, they said Rav was lenient and Shmuel was Machmer. In Shmuel's place, they said Shmuel was lenient and Rav was Machmer. Obviously, it's just a mnemonic. It doesn't, there's no meaning to that point. The point is just a way of remembering who said what version of the Machlokas way was said. So now, what are we assuming? We're assuming that what's really the machlokas? I know we said a lot of information, information overload about all the breakdown from yesterday about what the question is. But after it all boils down, you could say it's machlokas, is davashen, miskabin, motor, or asr. Do you paskin that if an unintended consequence is forbidden on Travis? If it happened, then it's like dragging the bench to loosen the soil, it's also, or are you paskin, motor? That's really kind of one of the main essential variables. So the Mara says, Rav Shari, was Rav actually lenient? So it sounds like he holds davashen, miskabin, motor. Says the Gemara Vahamar Rav Shimi Bar Chizka Mishmei the Rav Rav Shimi Bar Chizka said in the name of Rav Hai Musraicha Denezaisa. So Musraicha Denezaisa. This is before they had you know uh, good courts that after you opened a good bottle of beer you could or wine you could just plug it back in. So after they would open like um, the barrel they would need some sort of stopper and the way that they would use a a stopper it would be like just literally like almost like a rag and it would get it really tight stick it in place. And it would basically be like a makeshift cork. That's more or less what it would be. It would plug it up, and then they would remove it. When they're done, they'd stick it back in. But what happens is, when you put it back into place, it's all, it's in, 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 invariably, it just gets moist from all the wine or beer that was on it. So when you plug it back in place, what's going to happen? It's going to extract, it's going to squeeze out some of the liquid which is inside of it. So basically, to break it really down, what I have is, I have a situation where I'm plugging a, up a hole in a barrel with a rag, but by doing that, now my intention here is clearly not to extract liquid. That's not what I'm trying to do. My intention is to plug up the barrel. But the, 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 the other consequence, which is happening from my action, it's not my intent, but the other consequence happening is it's going to extract the liquid in the rag and it's going to, going to come out. And that is an issue on Yontif. What's the issue? There's a malacha called mafarik. You can't wring out, you can't squeeze out liquid from a cloth. There are different interpretations about what's wrong about that. Some views are that, are that it's cleaning the rack. It's actually an act of cleaning because if I have something that's like, you know, like a washing machine cycle, the spin part is that you extract the liquid. That's part of the way it gets clean. It gets wet. And then as the, as the liquid leaves, it actually cleanses the material. So that could be one issue. Another material, another possible issue is that you're extracting the liquid, that the liquid was kind of trapped inside of the cloth and you're being mafaric, which is a told off dash, the same way you can't pop a uh, seed out of its kernel. So you can't, you know, squeeze, uh, and you can't make orange juice on Shabbos. You can't squeeze, you know, juice out of an orange. So too, you can't squeeze perhaps the liquid out of a rag. And that's a machlokas rishonim. What is also, is the issue the fact that you're cleaning the rag? Or is the issue the fact that you're bringing out this wine which was trapped inside of the cloth? So that's a dispute about what exactly the nature of the malacha is. But either way, somebody would intend to do that, that would not be allowed. So the question is, here's the lambdas, can I plug up my barrel with this little rag here and put in the stopper on Yantif? If the, if the unintended consequence is 
that the liquid will come out. So Rav said, Asr to push it back and place on Yantif. So here he's not intending to, to squeeze the beer out of the cloth. Rav is still Asring it. Clearly, what do we see? Rav must hold like Rabbi Yehuda, that even unintentional actions on Shabbos are Asr. I cannot drag the bench if unintentionally, unintentionally what I'm going to do is loosen the soil. So we have a Kasha. On the one hand, Rav said that you're allowed to have Bia on Shabbos. You're allowed to. So it sounds like he holds like Reb Shimon, but here he says, I can't plug up the beer with the, with the rag. That sounds like he holds like Reb Yudah. So the Gemara answer is, No, in that case, with the barrel, even Reb Shimon would agree that it's Osir. Why? This is a very famous principle. Both Abai and Rava say, Reb Shimon agrees in a case where you cut off the head, it's not going to die. So that's, it's an analogy to when somebody cuts off the head of a chicken, he says, I'm not really trying. I'm just trying to cut off the head. I don't really care if it dies. So what does that mean to say? You can't claim that's an unintentional action. Why? Because clearly when you cut off the head of a chicken, it's going to die, right? That's like, obviously, that's what's going to happen. So if it's inevitably going to occur, then it cannot be separated just because you're not intending to do that. So if you would be dragging such a heavy bench that no matter what way you're going to drag it, it's certainly going to loosen the soil, there even Rip Shimon would agree. It's an inevitable consequence. If it's inevitable, we don't care whether you're intending or not. And the lumdas the Afronim explained, is that the idea of when generally Reb Shimon allows it is that there's two actions that I'm doing. I'm moving the bench. I'm not trying to loosen the soil. I'm trying to move the bench. So if moving a bench and loosening the soil are separable points, they're two unrelated consequences, and I can say my mice and my action is only on the moving of the bench. The other thing, it is as if it occurred by itself. It's a consequence, but not my action. But if there's no way, if the bench is so heavy and there's no way to drag it without loosening the soil, then they're inseparable. I can't say I'm just moving a bench, but not loosening the soil. Loosening the soil and, sep- and moving the bench cannot be done with one without the other. Therefore, it's just we're forced to view it like you're doing both. So the Gemara is saying the same thing here with the rack. You can't claim Dabrashen and here with the rack. It's inevitable that when you stop up the barrel that the liquid will come out and therefore it's a psychratia. Now, you might be wondering, in our case, with the person having Bia with the virgin, is that not a psychratia? When a person says, oh, I'm just going for my pleasure. I'm not intending to make the passageway. Is it not a psychratia that the passageway? Is it not a psychratia that the blood will come out. So we have to be patient for that, for the Gemara and the Ahmed Bays, but that basically the answer is, yes, it is not a psychratia, but we'll have to see some more details about why it's not that way. So now the Gemara continues. Again, we're trying to question, the line of questioning here is, does Rav really hold like Reb Shimon or not? So the Gemara says, Rav Barashi said over the name of Rav, he related, that we pass on the Rebbe Yehuda, that an unintentional act on Shabbos is Asr. Rav Chanan Barami said the name of Shmuel, Rebbe Shimon. Rav Chibar-Avin taught it without bringing any other people. He just said it straight up. Rav said, Shmuel said, Shimon. So here it's absolutely explicit that Rav does not go like Reb Shimon. So if Rav does not go like Reb Shimon, how do we understand why Rav was Matir having beer with the Virgin on Shabbos? So the, the Gemara explains that this is all just based upon what we saw yesterday, that the, the only heter was not there were other heterim to have bia. Rav might hold like Rabbi Yudah that an unintentional act generally is usher. I cannot drag a bench if there's a possibility we'll loosen the soil. But having bia with the virgin is different because remember what we spoke about yesterday. If I say that the blood is, is just stored in the body, meaning the blood is coming out not because of a wound, but just because the door opens. Remember that lumbus, that the, the biology of the, the way that the blood comes out after the hymen is ruptured is very different than a different type of wound in the body. This blood was never really in the body connected. It was just stored right there by the entrance of the house. So there, that's not a, that's not a problem. 
the only potential issue would be making the opening, the passageway, not the blood. And in terms of the passageway, the reason Rav was lenient is because he could say it's a destructive thing that she's being opened. A virgin, so to speak, is in a better condition than the opened girl. So therefore, the passageway is not a constructive act of building in her body, and therefore it can be lenient. So that's one way of saying why Rav is lenient. Not because you weren't intending. Maybe you're not intending is not a hat to. Rav also grab Yehuda. But he was just breaking down the variables. In the issue of the blood, I'm not making a wound. And in the issue of the, the Pesach, it's considered destructive. And according to the opinion that said that the blood really is a wound, so it would seem to be an issue of the fact that you're extracting the blood. We can say that the, the blood is not considered beneficial when it's coming out, it's considered destructive, and therefore it's not an issue. So the Gemara is basically coming full circle to where we started yesterday. We have so many different possibilities of why it's mutter or asr. Yes, one reason why it would be mutter is if you hold like Rib Shim and Davashin Miskavin mutter. But even if you don't, and you hold like Rib Yudah, Davashin Miskavin Asr, there's still possibilities of hatter. It might be that it's not a wound at all. And, in terms, and even if it is, there might be a hatter in terms of the fact that it's Makalko. And the same for the passageway. It might be a hatter in the fact that it's Makalko in her body. Now, even though those points weren't absolutely clear yesterday, but they're possible. So Rav saying that it's mutter to have beer with the virgin, that doesn't have to mean he holds like Rav Shimon. It could mean that he held of some of these others as far as we're thrown out. Yeah. Why would This is a great question. This is a Gemara's question. And Shavas Kofav is an amazing question. It's a possibility. The Gemara says that somebody's cat needed the blood. So, and therefore it would be considered a, 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 a constructive thing when you make the wound in order to get out the blood. Because you need the blood there. You're going to use the blood. That is a complicated thing, and actually it's a dispute there, but that is one of the things that the Gemara says. Okay? All right. So here, now we're going to have some questions. Again, Shmuel said you can't have beer with the virgin on Shabbos. Rav said you could. So the Gemara is going to try to prove one way or the other. So the Gemara says, so here, just a little bit of introduction. Don't get confused with anything you know practically. Okay? Hilchos Nida is a big buildup of many things. This is the way the halacha used to be. So really, it's only if a girl has menstrual blood that it makes her a Nida. If it's, if it's another type of wound and she's bleeding out from that place, but it's not menstrual blood, that's not an issue. So what happens when a virgin gets married? She's going to be bleeding, but we like know, it's pretty obvious, right? If the girl was a virgin, then the blood is not menstrual blood. So the question is, what if a girl is bleeding after she gets married? Until how long can you just attribute it to the fact that it's her, 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 her dam basulim, and at what point do you say, well, that probably is done bleeding by now, and it must be menstrual blood. That's the line that we're trying to figure out here. So the Mars says, the Mishnah says, is a girl who's so young that she hasn't yet gotten her period yet, meaning she gets married under the age of whatever it is, 11. So she, she, she didn't even, her, her body never, never, never adjusted yet, and she didn't get that period yet, and now she gets married, and now she's bleeding, and the question is, should I be nervous, it's her first period, and therefore she's in need unforbidden, or do I say, no, it's just the blood coming from her basulim. So she gets four nights, meaning four nights of marital relations, and even if she discharges blood from those nights, she's still pure, because we just obviously say that that's blood from her amen being ruptured and not menstrual blood. Even more lenient until the wound heals. In other words, it's not it's not a time thing. According to Beisolos, you got to go to the doctor, and whatever the doctor says, the wound heals. So from that point on, and if blood comes out, we would be concerned it's damnida. But as long as the wound did not completely heal, then as long as as long as she's still bleeding, we would be lenient and assume it's 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 dam basulim, even if it's more than possibly four nights. That's all for a girl who got married before her, she got her first period. If she already as is at the time when her period came, she, she had reached the age. And Rashi says, even if she reached the age but didn't yet see, but if she is of the age that most girls 
get their period. So now she gets married and now she's bleeding and you want to know if you could be lenient. So she only gets one night. Meaning as many times theoretically that they're doing acts of Bia during the night, but it's only about the first night. More than the first night, we can't be lenient, Beishama says, because it's her time to get her period. So once it's to her age to get her period, how much can you be lenient? How do you know? How do you know on night two what, what it's from? So Beishama is more mach. She only gets one night. We give her until Motzei Shabbos, until a Saturday night. It gets you a total of four nights. The Mishnah is assuming the marriage was a Wednesday because that's what we started learning in Armasafta, that a virgin usually gets married on a Wednesday. So therefore, the fourth night after the wedding would come out to be Saturday night. So that she gets four nights. Now, the question is, what exactly does that mean? So top of the Ahmed base, my love, what does it mean four nights? The Elo Ba, if you didn't have Bia with her successfully on Wednesday night or Thursday night, Matzi Ba, if you live a Shabbos, you could have Bia even on Shabbos. So it's saying there are four potential nights. So why is Rav Chista assuming this? Let's just break it down. Rav Chista is assuming that once the husband fully penetrated her, and the hymen was totally ruptured, then of course we can't just be make on more bleeding and assume it came from the, hymen, from, 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 from the hymen being ruptured in the future. It must be that the Mishnah is discussing a case where the husband did not fully penetrate. If the husband fully penetrated, then it shouldn't be allowed. It shouldn't be allowed to be lenient and we should just assume it's still coming from Dan Basulim. What do we mean we're giving her four nights even though it's the time for her period? It must be, the pshat is, we're talking about someone who hadn't been successful, this new husband had not been successful to fully penetrate her. For whatever reason, it didn't happen. So now what the Mishnah is saying is for up to four nights from the wedding, whenever he would penetrate, we are going to be lenient and say it's probably just the, the, the Dan Basulim and not the Dan Nida. So if it's saying that, that means that one of those nights will be Friday night. It's saying four nights until Saturday night. So that means potentially if he didn't fully penetrate on Wednesday or Thursday, and then Friday night he penetrates and now she bleeds, that's what the Mishnah is saying, that then will be told that that's Dam Besulim and not Dam Nida. So what do I see? I see from the Mishnah that Bia with a virgin for the first time is Motoran Chavez, because we're talking about he, she wasn't fully penetrated, Rav Chista assumes. And yet it's still saying that when he had Bia with her on Friday night, we could be told as Dam Besulim. So Amarava Lolavami Shabbos, it means he has Bia with her on the other nights besides for Shabbos. Meaning to say, it's, it's saying until the last of the four nights passes, if that happened, then it, we assume it's Dam Besulim. But actually it can't happen on the third night. So we're saying she has up until the end of the fourth night from her wedding until we'll be told it's Dam Besulim. Does that mean any one of the nights is permitted for them to have Bia? No, it happens to be that if they didn't do it on Wednesday night or Thursday night, they can't do it on Friday night. But if the whole point of the mission is just until Saturday night. Don't, get, don't assume that it means it was permitted to them on all of those four days. Says the Gemara, come on, the language doesn't tolerate that. What was the language? We give her until Saturday night, a total of four nights. Now, we didn't need the Mishnah to do a math for us. Until Saturday night, the total of four nights. Obviously, what's the Mishnah coming to say? That the Bia could happen on any one of those nights. If the point was just until Saturday night, but by the way, it can't happen on Friday night, then the Mishnah wouldn't have had to say, or shouldn't have said it in such a way, four nights, which implies clearly that in any one of the four nights, the Bia can happen. So we're back to a proof that no, the Bia is allowed to happen on the Friday night. So El Amar Al, the Mishnah, He's not talking about someone who didn't fully penetrate on Wednesday and Thursday and saying he can have Bia on Friday and we'll be told it's not assumed. The Mishnah is talking about that he had a full act of Bia on the first night already, meaning he did fully penetrate. And therefore, it's much for him to have Bia on Friday night because then he's not really rupturing the hymen. In other words, Rava is working against the premise of Rav Chista. Rav Chista, when he brought it, he was assuming that the four nights only make sense to be lenient if somebody didn't fully penetrate yet. Then I could say, whenever the penetration came in the fourth four nights, then I'll assume it's just on Basulim. Says Rava, no, the case is really he did 
did rupture the hymen already. He did do a full act of Bia, let's say, on Wednesday night or Thursday night. But then what we're saying is a subsequent Bia on Friday night will still assume that it's, it, it's just like residual bleeding from the hymen and not Dam Basula. But says the Gemara, the Gemara doesn't like this so much because if we're talking about that he already had the full relations, which means that obviously there's no issue of Shabbos, then what's the Chiddush of the Mishnah emphasizing until Motzai Shabbos? Meaning, now we're coming back the other way. Why did the Mishnah say until Matzei Shabbos? Why didn't the Mishnah just say four nights? In other words, once we say that we're not telling me a chiddush here on Elchol Shabbos, because we're not saying you're being, being with, the virgin, with the virgin the first time. Really, you can't have being with the virgin the first time. The case is he had full intercourse before. The Mishnah is just telling me halacha nochos needed that for four nights. We can still assume that it's coming from the hymen. So then let the Mishnah just say for the four nights after the wedding. From the fact that the Mishnah is saying until Matzei Shabbos, Sounds like there's a chiddish also in the novelty in the laws of Shabbos that one of those nights was Shabbos. So if he hadn't had Bia with her before, like Rav Chista was assuming, very good. It's really a big novelty that you could have Bia with the virgin for the first time. But if it's like Rav, you can't have Bia with the virgin the first time. The case is he had Bia before. Then the novelty is shows in Ochos Nida for four nights. We assume it was Dan Basulim. So why does the Mishnah say until Motzei Shabbos? Just say until four nights. So we're going back and forth playing that language. It says until Saturday night, which is four nights. So it's mashma clearly a chiddush in the laws of Shabbos, and also that in each of those four nights they can do it. So the Gemara answer is, Kamashwan to the middle of Shabbos, telling you that, it, that she could have Biyah on Shabbos, and it is a novelty. It is a novelty that you could, even though they had a full act of intercourse before. Why is it a novelty? Why is it a novelty? The answer is, as we're bringing out, and this, this is the way you see it, even once the hymen was ruptured, we see there's a possibility of more bleeding, right? We see that. That's why we're assuming it's not Damnida, right? We see that. So then, wait a second. If you hold, you can't have Bia with a virgin on Shabbos because you're making blood come out. So then, even if you had a full act of intercourse before, maybe it should still be usher because maybe you're going to make more bleeding. So if once you rupture the hymen, there's no more bleeding, great, no issue. But we realize really from the mission itself, there is some, some residual bleeding and you're going to cause it by having further Bia. That's why we're saying for four nights of Bia, we're not concerned it's not Nida. So what are you saying? The Bia is just making it's that, that, that more blood is coming out from the rupturing of the hymen further. The wound is whatever, a little bit more. That's the way the biology works. So then, why are you allowed to have beyond Shabbos? Says the Mishnah, you're allowed. Let's say there's a tight breach. There is a hole already. And there's a tight breach there. And you're trying to enter in. It's even if you're going to dislodge some pebbles. And when I walk in, I'm dislodging it. The pebbles, I'm widening up the entrance. It's not usher Because it's not inevitable that it's going to happen. And it's not, definitely not my intent. And so to here, you could say the same thing. When you're going to do the bia, so yeah, it's possible that you're going to make more blood, but most of it was already open. And once most of it was already open, the fact that you might be triggering some more blood to come out is not usher. This is the idea of the chedesh. So Shmuel holds like this. We're in Shmuel's opinion. Having bia with a virgin for the first time, where you're going and it's likely that the blood will come out. We don't say it's a hetter just because you're not having kavanah. Shmuel does not go, does not buy that. So for the bia on the first time, Shmuel says also. But if I had a full, a full penetration the night before, then I could have bia on Shabbos, even according to Shmuel, despite the fact that there is some possibility that some blood might come out. So to summarize where we are, we've now gotten a clear defense of Shmuel's opinion. We're, we, from this Mishnah Anida, we understand that Shmuel holds you can't, the bia, the, the, the bia with the virgin cannot be for the first time on Shabbos. Shmuel, Rav said it could. Shmuel said it cannot. But everybody agrees that even though there might be some blood that comes out from a second bia, that could happen on Shabbos as long as a full penetration was achieved the day before.
All right, and here we go. Masav Rav Yosef, Chasan Pater Mikriya Shema Lali Shonad Matzai Shabbos. A Chasan who gets married is Pater from saying Shema. On the night of somebody's marriage, they are Pater from saying the Shema. By the way, what is the, well, one second, I'm getting ahead of myself. What is the reason? Because you're Osek by Mitzvah. You're very busy and involved with doing the Mitzvah. And, and, and in your mental anxiety, whatever it is about going ahead and performing the Bia. So therefore, a person is exempt on his ability to concentrate and say Kriya Shema. That's the principle here that's going on in the Mishnah. So in this, the Kinmari continues, Imlo Atza Maisa. He's Pater not only for the first night, he could be Pater for four nights, right? The night of his marriage, usually a person gets married on Wednesday, and then he could be Pater all the way to, to Saturday night if he didn't yet have the Bia. So he could be Pater from saying Shema until the fourth night after his wedding if he did not yet have the Bia. And again, this is all because of a Osek, I just want to note that Toysus makes a point of saying that this halacha really only applies in the time of the Gemara, not in our time. Why? In the time of the Gemara, when they used to lean the Kriyashma, they really had good kavana. So if a person comes along and he gets married and he has all the, the stress and anxiety and he's about the mitzvah, so the rabbi said, you know what, just focus on the mitzvah, we will exempt you. But today, people have such weak kavana anyway. So if you have such weak kavana anyway, who are you to think that I'll have less kavana on my wedding night because it's my wedding night? And what, in that morning your kavana was so good? And actually somebody who doesn't actually appears haughty, the Rishon him say. It appears very haughty because you're like sending a sign that usually my kavana is great. Tonight's my wedding night, you know, it's going to be too hard for me to have kavana. So it should be practically, a chasan should say the, the, the shema. That's what the Rishon him say. But anyhow, we're saying that he's potter for the first four nights if he didn't yet have the active relation. So my love, isn't this true? What does that mean? It sounds like he's potter even on Friday night. Why on Friday night are you potter? Clearly it's because you want to have Bia with her and you still have that anxiety. So again, it's saying he was potter if he didn't yet have to have the active Bia for the first four nights. That includes Friday night. It must be. If Friday night comes, it's still anxious about the fact that tonight he's going to have the Bia. So that proves that you could have Bia with the Virgin on Shabbos. So but the case, he's actually preoccupied in his thoughts and the anxiety about the fact that he didn't get the job done. It's not that he has anxiety about doing it. He can't do it right now at Shabbos, but the exact opposite. He's, he can't concentrate because of the way he feels about not being able to get it done on Wednesday or Thursday. So initially we understood it's the stress about your plans, what you're thinking about doing now. So says the Gemara, must be you could have Bia with the Virgin. Says the Gemara, no, it's not the anxiety about what you're doing but it's the anxiety of the way you feel about the fact that you didn't get it done on Wednesday or Thursday. So that also exempts you. Now that's a tremendous chiddush because if you think about it, it's a very different thought. One is a thought about a mitzvah. You're thinking about what's going to happen when you do the biyah and consummate the marriage and that you're obsessed with that and it's hard to concentrate on Shema. That we understand, that's Osik by mitzvah. But what, 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 what Abai is saying is that you're Osik, what are you so busy with? With your feelings of, I guess, I don't know, for lack of a better word, your insecurity about your inability to get it done. So that's not a mitzvah. That's a mitzvah thought. That's not, that's not a person thinking about a mitzvah. So that's, that, but Abaye holds that even that, the rabbis were leaning. You don't have to say Shema, which is a really big chiddish. So that's what Rav attacks now. Well, because a mind, person's mind is preoccupied in a discretionary way, he's putter from saying Shema. Let's say, you know, somebody lost their whole portfolio. Somebody's, everything that was in a ship, all of his money, and then he hears news that everything, the ship went down. So he should be exempt from saying Shema because he can't concentrate. He's feeling horrible. Is there such a halacha? And if you're going to say, yeah, maybe that's true. When a mourner is sitting Shiva, they have to, they have a chayv in all the mitzvahs. Just because 
you're in grief just because you're in mourning, that doesn't mean that you're exempt from mitzvahs. The one exception is that an avil doesn't wear tefillin. Tefillin are described in the Pasuk in Yechazkel as being an, uh, uh, like an, uh, an item of glory. So in Avel, it's not befitting for him to like glorify himself by wearing his tefillin. But short of tefillin, a person is chayv in all mitzvahs, which includes seemingly saying the Shema, which is the halacha, Avel says Shema. So what do I see? I, it's going to be very hard for him to concentrate. <laughs> Step up and concentrate. You know, like we don't give you an exemption just because it's hard to concentrate. So the same way that an Avel has to say Shema, even though it's going to be hard, so to the person whose ship sunk at sea and lost all his money, he also has to say the Shema. Says the, says the Gemara, so we should say the same thing about the person who feels bad about himself that he didn't do the B on Wednesday night or Thursday night. The exemption here cannot be because of your feelings of insecurity. You didn't do it on Wednesday and Thursday and you're, 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 you're obsessed with the thoughts. It must be that what's, that what's exempting you is the thought of the current thought about the mitzvah that you're planning on doing the bia tonight and you're thinking about that action. That must be the exemption. So there again, we prove it must be you're having bia on Friday night. Again, it says the chasen's pata for the first four nights if you didn't yet do the maisa. That means Friday night. I don't have to say shema. It must be I'm thinking about the mitzvah that I'm going to do tonight. Don't tell me I'm thinking about the fact I didn't do it on Wednesday and Thursday and feeling those thoughts of insecurity. Because that's not warranting a p'tur. By the way, just to know the halach a little bit more about an avil being potter from wearing tefillin. So even though it seems like categorical is potter, the Rishonim tell us it's only on the first day of Shiva. The first day of Shiva is the most intense. That's when he doesn't wear. And the first day of Shiva, according to many Rishonim, it's only if it was also the, the day of the death. So meaning to say, if the day of death was also the first, the day of burial, so the shiva that happens after the burial, that's when you're potter. But let's say there was a delay. Let's say he died on Monday. He wasn't buried till Tuesday. Then on Tuesday, after you bury the body, you are chayv and tefillin. It's machlokas. Lamai saw today, if it wasn't on the same day, we put on without a bracha. So that's all first day when it's also the day of burial, then when you're for sure potter. If it's not the day of burial, afterwards it's a big machlokas. Usually the common practice is to put on without a bracha. But after that point, day two and on, there's no question, and Avil is chayov in the mitzvah of tefillin. Okay, so what are we coming out? It seems that it's very clear from the Mishnah that you're allowed to have B on Friday night. So, Elah Marava Tanahi, the truth is, Rava says, we have to defend this proof. It's really Machlokas Tanahim, if you could have B with a version on Shabbos. The Tanah, the one prize is in Lazar Maisa Breach, and if you didn't get the job done on Wednesday night, Pater Apashini, he's Pater from Shema on the second night. Pashini, if you didn't do it on the second night, Pater Apashini, he's Pater even on the third night, even on Friday night. So that price of clearly is saying that what well, you could have biyah with the virgin on Friday night. And other price have said reaching Mishini Potter, you're exempt only on Wednesday and Thursday, but Shlishi on the third night, Friday night, Chayv, you're Chayv. What's the pshat between one and two and three? It must be three is Friday night. On Friday night, you don't have the Osik by mitzvah because anyways, you're not going to do the biyah and therefore you're obligated to say the Shema. Says the Gemara of Abai. How would Abai respond? Remember, Abai was the one who said that uh, your Potter, even if you can't do the biyah because you're just thinking about the fact that you didn't do it. So how's Abai going to explain? He'll say that everybody agrees you don't, you're not doing the Bia on Friday night, but they're arguing whether the preoccupation with the failure to do the Bia exempts you from Shema. Meaning, according to Abai, the dispute in the Tanoim is not if you could have relations. Everybody agrees you cannot. The dispute is whether the thought of failure exempts you. So even Abai, who said that it's a possibility, he agrees that it's a dispute in the Tanoim. So in conclusion, we've definitely defended Shmuel. Shmuel, you cannot have Bia with the, uh, with the virgin on Shabbos, ah, your potter from the Shema, if you didn't do it, ah, you can't, so what are you thinking about? So two different defenses. We had a bias line of reasoning that your potter just because of the preoccupation with the failure, even though it's not a osik ba mitzvah, whereas Rav held, we have to conclude as a machlokas tanoim in order to defend. 
So now the Gemara continues in Rava's, Rava's line of thinking that the Hani Tanai Kiyanai Tanai, the same way we just said it's a Machlokas Tanaim, will prove that other Tanaim disagree. The Tanya says that a price of Konis Absolutely evolved with Chilab it should not be for the first time. Shavs, the Chachamim allow it. So really, we got it super clear. You know, we hacked around, but this price, I mean, it doesn't get more clear than this. It's clearly a dispute if you can have Bia for the first time. Man Chachamim, who are the Chachamim who allow it? Amar Rava, Rabbi Shimon, Yisrab Shimon, Dabr Shimon, Skavin, Mutter. So ultimately, the Gemara comes back to that point. Even though we hacked back and forth about other possibilities, the Gemara favors that. That the reason that the rabbis who are lenient is that they hold the unintended act as mutter. So now the Gemara asked the question that was very clear that we were bothered by the Amad Aleph. Didn't we say Reb Shimon agrees to a psikresh of Eloyama? So remember that case with the rag. We said, even though it's unintended for me to squeeze out the beer from the rag, Reb Shimon still agrees it's usher because it's inevitable. Whenever the second thing is inevitable, you can't claim it's an un- unintended consequence. So the Gemara is saying here, so do we here with the bleeding. If you're going to have Bia, it's going to make her bleed. Is there such a thing as having Bia with the virgin and her not bleeding? Of course she's going to bleed. And again, yes, there's a possibility in the sense, and this, this is one second, you might be bothered. What do you mean? It's not true every girl bleeds. Some girls have their hymen ruptured before. That's no good. That's not not obsecretia. That just means she might not be a pasula. So you don't know maybe until you do it. You might not have, you know, she might not have undergone a test. But if she is a pasula, she will for sure bleed. The fact that you don't know if she's a pasula doesn't mean it's not obsecretia. It's very important to this. If my suffix is if she is a virgin, but if she is a virgin, she will for sure bleed, then that is a psikresha that, that and, and then I can't do it. It, it, I have to figure out a case that even if the hymen is not ruptured, she might not bleed. I'll give you a, a case just to bring out the points. Very, very hard lumbus. It's a very famous Taz. The Taz says that, let's say, you know, it's like I, there's some food, you know, some old disgusting times where they live with flies and no fridges, right? So there's some food. And I don't check if there's a fly before I put the pie cover on. If there's a fly there, for sure I'm trapping the fly. And, and that's not my intent. My intent is to cover the food, but the fly will be trapped. But if there's no fly, I'm not. Can I just cover the pot and be like, look, it's Dover Shane and Miskavin. I'm not trying to trap the fly. If the fly is not there, then I'm not trapping, right? No, I can't say it's Dover Shane and Miskavin. Why not? Because if the fly is there, then you're for sure trapping. Dover Shane and Miskavin is, even with all the variables there, it's undetermined if your action will make the second consequence. When I go to drag the bench, it's possible though that it will be that it will be that it will be loosened in the soil, and it's possible it won't. That's Dover Shane and Miskavin mother. It's psik ratio. Whenever it's such a heavy bench, for sure it's going to be that it's going to it's going to be dragged. If my if if, if I just don't know if the fly is there, that doesn't make it a davar shenu It's still psik ratio. So do here. If I'm not sure if she is a basula, that's not a hetter of davar Okay, that's a little tricky part, but we got we got to get behind that. Anyway, so the Gemara is saying, what's going on? For sure, you're gonna have the bia. For sure, the bia with the basula makes the bleeding. So what's the pshat? So why is it a davar shenu? What davar shenu It should be a psik ratio. So I'm a lay. He said to buy look We're not talking about these Babylonians. Babylonians, and this is how you see in the Gemara, like. Babylonians was a terminology for lowlife. What are we like? A bunch of lowlifes? They don't have the right knowledge about how to penetrate and do the bia at an angle. They just go right in. They don't know what they're doing. And then, of course, blood comes out. No. There are people who are very proficient. And they know exactly a specific penetration at a certain angle in a way that you will not bleed. Unbelievable thing. There's a Gemara saying that there's a possibility of being an expert of knowing how to do it without violating the Shabbos. So the hymen will not be ruptured and there will not necessarily be a passageway coming, McCreen created, or the blood coming out. So the bride says, talking about such a person. So now we understand why it's not a psychration. So the Gemara says, well, wait a second. 
in Cain, what, what do we just say? If we know how to rupture the Ayman Torah Lama, then why is a person ever preoccupied from saying Shema? Meaning, like, what's, what, what, what's the big deal? So it sounds like an interesting thing. Why is, why is the guy stressed out about it? His, his whole thing is that he doesn't know if he's going to rupture the hymen. But if you have a crazy maneuver that, like, you have a specific angle that you know about how to have the bia without rupturing the hymen, then why are you preoccupied? Just to bring out the point. If it's a girl who's not a virgin, you're not preoccupied. The whole, the whole anxiety is the fact that you need to rupture the hymen. So oh, it's complicated. You know, it's going to be pain. But if you have an angle how to do it without rupturing the hymen, so then what's the stress? Says the Gemara, she ain't no bucky. You're right. The only person who's, who's potter from Shema is only for someone who doesn't know the maneuver. If you know the maneuver, then you're good. Then you're takachayv to say Shema. Says the Gemara. Well, you can't have such halacha. Yomru, bucky, mother, she ain't no bucky, us. You know what people are going to say? The bucky is mother to say Shema. The ain't no bucky is usher. So you see the chasen at his wedding night, right? So if he's saying Shema, we're going to say, oh, he's the bucky. We can't live with such halacha. So the Gemara says, most people are knowledgeable. Most people do know the maneuver. So therefore, we're able to make the price that just said that, that you could have bia on Chavez. Because we're assuming that any given chassan is part of the majority of the people who are knowledgeable that it's not going to cause the bleeding. But it seems that if you have a chassan who doesn't know the knowledge, he doesn't have the knowledge, then in a chanami, he's not going to be allowed to have the permit to have beyond Shabbos. This is what it would seem like to be the conclusion. It would seem like what the Gemara is coming out here now is that the hazard to do the beyond Shabbos is only for the experts, who is not necessarily a psychratio, but to them, to the blood will come out. But if it's not, if it's someone who doesn't, he's not a baki and he doesn't know it, then it would seem he doesn't have the hazard. That's what it would seem like. However, there is some lumdus in the Rishonim that once it's mutter for a baki, and the lumdus is for him, the acts are, are separable. An act of bio doesn't necessarily mean blood is coming out. So then the acts are separable. And even if you... And even if you particularly, in the, your, your knowledge, you don't have it, and the way you're going to do it probably will inevitably make the blood come out, maybe there is a hatzer. So that's a hard point in the Rishonim here. Whether Lamaisa, that, how do we end up? Lamaisa is the hatzer that be even for the, even for the Enobaki or not. Okay. Says the Gemara, if there's a maneuver to make sure to have Bia without any blood coming out, why there are attendants and a sheep? Meaning to say, there used to be all these grooms who would have Bia and accuse their, the bride of not being a virgin, wanting their money back, wanting out of the marriage, all sorts of crazy accusations. So in order to make sure it wouldn't be like that, there were attendants, literally like the, the friends of the bride and groom, who would not necessarily be present in the room, but they would be able to set up a sheet and come back and see, oh, you know, is the sheet bloody? There was such a concept. So the Gemara is saying, well, that doesn't help anything. Because if there's a way to have Bia without rupturing the hymen, so then the guy can just play around. He can just say, oh, there's no blood. Oh, no blood. So the Gemara says, yeah, they were concerned he'll see blood and destroy it. Meaning, what's the Gemara saying? We don't have to be concerned that he's going to claim she's not a virgin if he doesn't rupture the hymen because her virginity is still there. The hymen's not ruptured. The only concern is that he will rupture the hymen, take the, the, the sheet and, you know, and, and, and destroy the evidence right away. That's why we have the guys coming in to make sure, to make sure he doesn't do that. So bottom line is there is an expertise to make sure you don't rupture the hymen and, and make the blood come out. But that's not the concern. And that's not the issue, because if he's preserved it, then obviously the girl still has her virginity. He's not going to be able to claim she's not a, she's not a basula. The concern will be of Bia and destroy the evidence, and that's why we have this whole thing with uh, the attendants and, the, and, 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 the, and uh, the sheep. And bottom line is, we end up that it's a machlokas tanom if you could have Bia for the first time on Shabbos with a virgin.